turn to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Today we'll title this, The Happy Peacekeepers. The Happy Peacekeepers. I will read, uh, I'm going to grab a couple of verses in chapter 4 and then read the first 12 verses again. So beginning in uh, 417, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in verse 23 of chapter 4, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And in verse 1 of chapter 5, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set... His disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let us pray. Holy Father we come before you. We're so grateful for this precious word that you have given us Lord. Thank you Holy Spirit for being present to take the word. And to minister it to our hearts. I'm so grateful for this peace that has been wrought by the blood of Jesus Christ that we might come and worship you freely today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going through the sermon given by the King to the subjects. And we are going to take a look at peacekeepers today. And my purpose today is to awaken you To your current state, what is your spiritual state today? For you are either at peace or at war with the Prince of Peace. So I just ask you that question. Are you at peace with the Prince of Peace? As we're going through this message, Christ is teaching us about what the state of grace looks like. Jesus Christ is the refiner and the gospel is the refiner's fire. And every time we present ourselves to the Lord in worship, this word is sifting us, our hearts and our minds. This word is refining us, purifying us. This word is helping us to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. These beatitudes are the state of grace that you are in if you be in Christ, which is a happy state, isn't it? Isn't this a happy state? 
What a great song service. I, w I was breaking out giggling a couple of times. I was, I was just uh, so filled with joy at, as these lyrics were resonated with the very themes that are in this sermon today. Uh, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to stand up and to herald the Prince of Peace once again. So this is the state of grace. I hope that the Lord will take this message again and help you to grow in grace and to help prepare you for that day when you will be separated from your body and you appear before the Lord of all the earth. So are you at peace with the Prince of Peace? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So what is a peacemaker? Well, this flows out of the last beatitude, which is the pure in heart. For you must have a pure heart, which as we talked about last time, is an undivided heart, a holy heart, one that is being united by grace daily. And we know we're, we're not in that perfect state yet, but all Anything that opposes peace first comes out of a heart that is full of war and division and strife. And so this Prince of Peace comes to restore our hearts and to restore our affections for what they were made for, which is Jesus Christ. So what is a, a peacemaker? Flowing out of a pure heart, a holy heart, an undivided heart, it is a person that loves peace. It has the idea of having a mild disposition. It is to be a restorer of peace. A reconciler. It is a person that works to appease strife. To bring quiet into the room. It's freedom from war. Freedom from strife. Freedom from division. And those that have the Prince of Peace ruling in their heart are in the state of tranquility. A state of happiness. A state of peace. In Psalms 34, I'd like to go there and just continue to talk about what is a peacemaker Psalms 34, we see a person who is at peace with the Prince of Peace. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Isn't that what we've been just doing? And what we just talked about? In verse 12, this person who's filled with peace asks the question, who is there among you that desires life and loves many days that he may see good? There's the idea in that question that a person seeking peace, that wants to have a life of peace and many days of peace, to see good. How do we obtain that? What does a peacemaker, peacemaker look like? Verse 13 says, Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. You see, out of the peaceful heart and the pure heart, out of the mouth will come peace. 
And out of the heart that is at strife and at war will come division and strife. And the psalmist here in the Spirit's teaching us if we want to desire life and good days and peace in our life, keep our tongues. We gotta watch what we say, watch our mouths. Depart from evil and do good. Verse 14. Seek peace and pursue it. Peacemaker is somebody who's pursuing peace. They're active in it. If there's strife anywhere in their life, they're seeking how to overcome that strife. In Romans, Paul would say, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And so we are seeking to bring peace into the world. And we are like lambs in the midst of wolves. And this world is raging with war and strife and division. And if you be in Christ, if you're born of the Spirit, you're at peace with the Prince of Peace. You're a child of God and you are one who is seeking to bring peace into the world. In verse 18 and 19 of Psalm 34, he says, The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So we're going to have troubles. In verse 18, the Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart. And save such as be of a contrite spirit. To be at peace with the Prince of Peace is to have a heart broken for sin, which is where he began in the sermon. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. We have a great promise here to keep us pursuing peace. And that whatever trouble we go through, he's near to us. And whatever afflictions we go through, the Lord will deliver us out of them all and not one bone of the body of Christ will be broken. We are peacemakers. We're seeking tranquility and peace. How are you doing with that? Is your heart at peace with the Prince of Peace? Is there peace in your family, in your town, in your nation, in your church? In Romans 14... I want to remind you again as we went through this, chapter 14, Paul is giving instructions here about how we maintain peace here in the house of God. Paul is talking about stronger Christians and weaker Christians here. And he says that we are to receive each other. In verse 19 of chapter 14 of Romans, he said, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. We're going to have differences of opinions in what we would call the non-essentials. We're to be united in the essentials of the faith. And we're to not let other things get in the way. We are not to do anything. Also, he will come to a point here where he says the stronger Christian is to be willing to give up anything that would offend the conscience of a weaker believer in order to maintain peace in the body. We don't violate each other's conscience. We seek to have a conscience, Paul would say again and again. I've always sought to have a conscience at peace with God. 
a conscience undefiled that's at rest. And the only way we can do that is by living a life where we're not violating God's word or our conscience or other people's consciences. So that was the lesson we had there in Romans 14 and 2 Corinthians 5. We have further instructions on peacemakers, what peacemakers look like and what they do, how they maintain it. In 2 Corinthians 5, And 20, Paul will say, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Jesus Christ came into the world as the Prince of Peace, and he paid with his own blood the Christ so that peace could be had between God and man. He was the ambassador from heaven. And now preachers and you, every one of you, are ambassadors for Christ, children of God, to bring peace into this world. We are ambassadors for Christ. And that is present tense active. Always. If you are abiding in Christ, the Prince of Peace, bringing forth the fruits of peace in your life, you are to always be an ambassador for Christ. Not always with words, but in your behavior. We can undo so much with behavior that overrules our words. Right? What you do screams so loud I cannot hear what you say. This idea of ambassador, the definition behind this, has the idea of being mature. To be a representative. An ambassador is a minister of the highest rank. When the king sends an ambassador, he sends that ambassador as if he was present. And that ambassador does not have the right to bring any other words except the words which the king gives him. We are ambassadors for Christ, in Christ's stead. And he, as this ambassador, Paul is coming now. And this Holy Spirit is now in the room and he is commanding. This is an imperative. Be reconciled to this Prince of Peace. Today is the day of salvation. In Psalms 2, it says, kiss the Son. There's this idea that we're on the way to judgment, to the last day. We are to be reconciled. Kiss this son, before we get to judgment, lest his wrath be kindled just a little, it says there in Psalms 2. 
So ambassadors come with an urgent message from the Prince of Peace. Be reconciled to God. Be at peace with Him. And then you be a peacekeeper. And you tell everybody else that you can, whatever opportunity you have. He's on His way, even now. His hand is on the doorknob. He's turning the doorknob. This Prince of Peace came in peace the first time and now is the time of peace where men are being reconciled to Christ. But when He comes again, that day will be over. Are you at peace with the Prince of Peace? Does your life look like someone who is seeking that peace because you know, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We use words. We use passion. We use reason. We use logic. If by any means we might persuade some to be reconciled to God. This world is not the friend of God. This world is at war with the Prince of Peace. The world system, the Prince of the Power of the Air, and he has all of these tools in place that mock Christianity, that mock what the Bible says about women, about family, about education, about purity and holiness. And we as peacekeepers got to stand in the midst of all of that and proclaim peace and, and proclaim the same message, which is this. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is here now. This is the time. What is your current state of peace? That's the second point. Moving from what is a peacemaker, what is your current state of peace? And this is personal. What is the current state of peace in your family? What is the current state of peace in your marriage? It all begins in this heart of ours. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? In Titus 3.3, 3, we have a great picture of before and after that we use in our hearts to examine ourselves. Paul here, speaking to this young minister, says in verse in 3 3, for we ourselves also were, past tense, sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful. And hating one another. Before the Prince of Peace comes. And conquers our hearts. This is what we looked like. In the original. Whenever there's an emphasis the Holy Spirit wanted to make in this verse. He would, in the original language, they would move the word of emphasis to the front of the sentence. 
And the word that's at the beginning of this sentence is were. This is what you were. Before Christ. Is that true of you today? Were foolish, which means unwise. We were disobedient, uncompliant. We weren't persuaded. We were still in that place of the lie in Genesis 3 thinking we're God and we will make it up as we go. I'll pick and choose what parts of the Bible I want to believe. You hear people say, well, the God that I believe in would never do that. Deceived means led out of the right way. This is what we were before. We were led out of the way of righteousness. We were trusting ourselves, justifying ourselves, serving, serving the idea of slavery. We were a slave to all kinds of different lust and pleasures. And all of that comes out, all these, the idea of lust in here again and again with scriptures. You look at James 4 where this brother over here is preaching on Wednesday nights. This war and strife that we have in our lives and our family amongst brothers and sisters is coming out of your heart. We all have a heart problem and Christ begins the cure. When we're born of the Spirit, we have the Spirit of peace that we can, and we begin to overcome that division and strife. We begin to mortify it. We begin to put it down. We recognize it in our life. And we take action to pursue peace in our own heart first so that when, then we can have peace in our family, our marriages, and in our world. Serving different kinds of lust and pleasures. Living in malice and envy. Malice is a desire to injure. It's not ashamed. It has the idea of not being ashamed. To injure. Or to cause trouble. That's what we were before. That's the, the spirit of evil that's in the world that's magnified through all of the discourse and the ease of information. It just causes, just magnifies us more and more in the kingdom of this world, not in the church. In the church, we are to have peace and to strive for peace and maintain the spirit of peace and the bond of unity, right? Ephesians 4.2. How are you doing with that? Is all of this past tense in your life? We have the fruits of the Spirit. And we have the fruits of the flesh in Galatians 5. And the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. And he tells us there in Galatians 5 also... That those who are bringing forth the fruits of 
the flesh in their life, in their marriage, in their family, it says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Over a course of time, if they consistently are bringing forth those fruits, they show they don't know Christ, the Prince of Peace. Now, every one of us from time to time are going to let a, a word slip. We're going to do something that we shouldn't. But that will not be the general tenor and course of our lives. And when we do that, we will be grieved and we will repent and we will seek to make amends to make it right. Right? So what is your current state? What is the current state of humanity in the world? Romans 8 says that the carnal mind, Romans 8 is the dividing line if you're in Christ or not. You're either walking after the spirit or after the flesh. The carnal mind is at enmity with God, is at war with God. The, the carnal mind, the mind that is not born of the spirit, hates God and is at war with God. In 1919, there was a treaty called the Treaty of, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce this, Versailles. Versailles. And the League of Nations was established in 1919 after the Great War. And the whole purpose, what was the purpose of the League of Nations in 1919? To achieve international peace and security. Had they achieved it? In 2019, I was looking at a, uh, a journal that had done some research on peace treaties. And in this journal, National Academy of Science journal, 250,000 treaties were examined. Do you know what the conclusion was? Mostly failure. Why? Until every man, woman, and child is under the Prince of Peace, there will be no peace in the world. And in the church of Jesus Christ, we have attained a measure of that peace. And we are to show the world. That's why we are the light on the hill. We are the salt of the earth. We are bringing what can't be attained any other way. The World Economics Institute said that in 2019, $519 billion had been spent on war since the Gulf War. 76,000 lives have been lost. 80 million people displaced. The last time I looked at uh, Amnesty International, one of these, 50 million people are living in tents. And some of them into the second and third generation in places like Syria and Jordan. Whole generations growing up living in refugee status because of war. Now those are all just examples that you already know. That there can be no peace apart from the Prince of Peace and apart from the Gospel of Peace. What is your current status with this Prince of Peace? So thirdly, how do we keep peace? 
Well, I've said already, you've got to be reconciled to God. Just a couple of more points here in Hebrews 12. There's a couple of pointers that the Holy Spirit gives us to maintain peace. And we've already mentioned this too, but let's look at it a little more. Follow peace without all men. Hebrews 12, 14. And holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. In the context of this chapter, 12, is that Jesus is the author and finisher of faith and that you are going to be chastised in this life in order to make you holy. And we cannot have holiness if we don't have holiness in our hearts first. And we're living a life of separation and sanctification to the Lord. So purity of heart, remember, blessed are the pure in heart, singleness of heart, a heart with one passion. This is the heart that is not being conformed to the world, but is being transformed by the renewing of the mind and the word and the truth and worship. When we are living like that, we will be peacekeepers and we will be salt and light. And it says in Proverbs 16, 17, when a man's ways please the Lord, how do we please the Lord? By obedience, the obedience of faith. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. In 1 Peter 3, Paul is speaking to wives here. I keep winding back up in this text here. It's it's such a good one. Here you have a wife living with an unbeliever, it sounds like, right? Likewise, you wives be in subjection to your own husband, that if any obey not the word, any husbands are not obeying the word, they also may... Without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. By her holy living. By her saltiness. By her peaceful spirit and pure heart. This husband may be won. He may be won over. While he beholds your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Chastity. Purity. Whose adorning, let it not be that of outward adorning, a plating of hair, a putting on of gold. So he's not saying women shouldn't arrange outwardly. But he said the most important thing is the heart. And I will make an application here. If we are peacekeepers, and women can be peacekeepers in a home by the way that they live, the way that women adorn themselves is important. To show what their heart looks like. And a woman that is wise in the scriptures. And that has faithful fathers. And even holy boyfriends. Will not adorn themselves in clothing. That will set that man's heart. A raging and at war. 
I remember one of my daughters got married. She asked her future husband, how can I help you by the way that I dress to be at peace? And so that I'm not causing any strife in your own heart. That's what a wise, holy woman does. She arranges her heart in such a way that how she dresses is not more important than the condition of her heart in helping Christian brothers. And this, again, is it back to that Roman 14 again, right? We live in such a way that we're helping each other maintain peace. I was at the mall this week, all right? So uh, I've left camp, Camp Moriah, a week long of prayer and worship and peace. That is just wonderful. And you're unplugged from all the war and strife and stuff, you know. And, uh, you know, you come back on a spiritual high. You really do. And it's, and it's wonderful. And, I, and we need that. We need that kind of separation from time to time. And so I had to go up to Cumberland Mall to the Apple Store to get a phone fixed. And that was walking through there for two hours while I was waiting on this repair was about the most opposite of Camp Mariah and the spirit of peace of anything I experienced. I mean, it was, I could sense the spiritual realities of the demons and the wickedness and the evil raging all around me and watching people and just looking at the advertising and walking by the stores and all of the selling and the marketing and all of this world focus. And I was glad to get out of there. I was like, man, that was intense. Like sensing that spiritual warfare going on. I'm so grateful for the Prince of Peace. I'm grateful for you all who are working to maintain the bond of peace in this place. I'm so grateful that you all are patient with one another and long-suffering. And that you're not sacrificing others' consciences to maintain peace. So how are you doing? How are we doing with peace? We talked about some practical helps. It keeps coming up, coming up again and again is that we got to control our tone. I'll just give you some examples. I was reading through my daily Bible reading and I'm in Proverbs chapter 15. And of course I'm studying this text, med meditating on this text and you know it pops up everywhere. Again, I believe this infinite Son of God who's the Prince of Peace who is at peace with the God of peace and the spirit of peace, Trinity's the perfect design for peace, is inspiring this word. And we've got an exposition throughout every chapter whenever we're going through 1 John on Wednesday nights and James on Wednesday nights. This is all coming out of the Sermon on the Mount. And in Proverbs 15, the same spirit says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. So how do we keep peace? Read the Proverbs. 
out loud with your family. Go over the Proverbs. Think about them. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge right, but the mouth of fools pours out foolishness. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. As we are aware of, I'm standing in front of my master. He's given me this tongue, this wisdom, this book. When I speak, am I doing this? Is it honoring to him? Am I giving glory to him in how I speak? In 15.8 of Proverbs, it says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. You see, there are those who come make spiritual sacrifices. Even the wicked, there are some who are attracted to worship and to religion. And they will come and make sacrifices to be seen of men. And it says that that's an abomination to the Lord. They're not at peace with God. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. Isn't that great to know the Lord delights in us and in our prayers? For the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. How we use our tongue is important. And it is either edifying and bringing peace and unification, or it can be used for evil. So that's how we keep peace. First, we bring our heart in subjection to the Prince of Peace. And then we are saturating our minds and being transformed in the renewing of our minds with the words of peace so that we can speak these words of peace to others. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know, the Great Commission is the commission of peace. He says, go into all the world making disciples, baptizing them in my name. The children of God have a great privilege to be representatives of the Prince of Peace. We do this by loving our enemies. He will teach us a little bit later in the sermon that we may be children of our Father, children of God. We're told in Ephesians 5.1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Again and again, we're called the children of God. God is the God of peace. Christ is the Prince of Peace. This Spirit is the Spirit of Peace so that you can be ambassadors of peace. Children of God. That's kind of hard to wrap our mind around, isn't it? Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Adopted children of God. Because we were born with a different father. And we were rescued out of that bondage. And now we are the glorious adopted 
children of God. You know, in the state of Texas, that adoption is, it reckon, you cannot overturn it. That when a child is adopted in the state of Texas, they can't be uninherited. I, I don't know how it is here. I heard that in a sermon one time a pastor preached from Texas. Isn't that great? Once you're adopted, you are always a child of the king. This is a permanent adoption of the prince of peace. When he makes peace with you, it's permanent. Isn't that good news? We are called the children of God. We are translated. We are resurrected. We are given this gift of faith so that we can become tender. We can promote unity. Children of God are praying. We can be filled with zeal and mobility. Nobility. We are granted the nobility of being children of God. We are privileged to have access. To be a child of God gets you access to the King of Kings. Not everybody has access to royalty. You have access to the royal one. Peacemakers are called the children of God, the ambassadors of the King, who have access to His presence, who abide in His presence. And for you who are in that permanent state of being a child and being at peace with Him, everything in your life is being worked together for your good. So think about this past week. This Holy Spirit of peace is working in your life every day. And the Lord is paying attention to your heart every day because He loves you. And every trial, every warring person that you have to deal with, how you respond to that, He's watching. He's paying attention to that. Because He loves you and He wants to mold you and to help you to be a full, grown-up, mature believer so that you can be an effectual ambassador. Paul would say there, you know, that the whole body fitly joined together or working together so that we might be grown up and be like Jesus Christ. So are you a peacemaker? How are you doing with being a peacemaker? Well, this is the word of the Prince of Peace to us today. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him for he will abundantly pardon. That is a command. God commands all men everywhere to repent. God is working peace in the world, reconciling men to himself during this day of grace. And I'm so grateful that he had mercy on me and that he worked peace in my life. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a peace offering. 
in Leviticus chapter 7. And you know, I, I didn't realize this. You know how many times I've read through this and it just, you, you learn something new, right? All the time. That the only offering that the normal worshipers were allowed to eat was the peace offering. And the other sacrifices were made were just for Aaron and the priesthood. But this peace offering is for all of those. All of the worshipers of God. And so walk as dear children, brothers and sisters. Walk as dear children. Seeking peace, maintaining peace. This sermon and these words are to awaken us to our spiritual condition and to help us grow in grace. We're either going backward or forward. Are you moving forward in grace? And this is not peace at any cost. This is not a peace at any cost because without truth there can be no peace. Are you at peace? I hope you are. I hope that you're seeking peace in your life and in your family. I pray that God would bless this word. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God to your heart, your life, and your soul, and your families. In Jesus' name, amen.